Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. As federal money pours into Georgia to end new HIV infections, hundreds of people living with HIV and AIDS are being threatened with eviction. Nonprofit providers accuse the city of being chronically late with a total of $41 million in federal HIV funds, money earmarked to provide HIV and AIDS clients a place to live. Well, yesterday, the Atlanta City Council voted to appropriate $1.5 million in emergency funding to pay for housing and other services that clients of the living room depend on. A lawsuit filed by that organization in July accuses the city of withholding funds. That stopgap measure just scratches the surface of a messy feud with allegations of mismanagement and retaliation that could leave a vulnerable population homeless. Here to tell us more is Willoughby Mariano, who's been reporting on the issue for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Patrick Saunders has closely tracked this story for Project Q Atlanta Magazine. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Patrick, let's roll this back from the vote yesterday. When and how did the city get so far behind with payments for people living with AIDS and HIV? So this uh, started, it's been going on for years and years. The program has had an issue with, the city's had an issue with getting these funds out and expedited in a you know normal schedule for a while. It really picked back up. Uh, we did a series of stories about a year ago, and then uh, about a month or two ago, we started hearing uh, that it had not only did, uh, gotten, not gotten better, but it had gotten worse. Okay. Uh, so the delays just got you know worse and worse. Typically, they're supposed to get reimbursed these agencies about a month within um, after they ask for reimbursement. Uh, sometimes those um, those delays are about six, nine, ten months. But basically, it's important to understand. I guess the program itself. It's a federally federally funded program. Um, housing Housing and Urban Development runs it. Um, they issue these grants every year to the city. The city of Atlanta is then in charge of distributing those funds to uh, these agencies that house low-income people with HIV. Um, so Atlanta got about a $23 million grant last year. Um, they then distribute those funds to the agencies. The agencies use that money to subsidize rent for these low-income people with HIV. Okay, so you're explaining the program that's called HOPWA, Housing exactly. Opportunities for Person with AIDS, federal grant, but managed by the city of Atlanta. Exactly. So why does the city say it's so far behind Willoughby? They have a very bureaucratic explanation. It has to do with a mismatch in federal uh, uh, fiscal years and local fiscal years, but that doesn't explain the entire issue because uh, there are millions and millions and millions of dollars that have remained unspent since as far back as 2014, we found. Uh, So... There, when you talk to advocates, they have a slightly different explanation. They believe that the program has not been adequately staffed with the people with the uh, very specific knowledge that you need to uh, to manage one of these complicated grants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of money, too. Oh, we're, yeah. We're talking about a total of $41 million. That's 40% of the $101 million allotted by the federal government to Georgia for HIV and AIDS prevention. So what is that remaining money spent on? Do we know, Patrick? So what is the remaining money spent yeah. on? Um, I mean, it looks like they've, uh, you know, they're trying to disperse this money because they're saying that number, the, you know, HUD is still sticking to that $40 million number. Um, the city is, you know, saying it's inaccurate, that it's closer to about $30 million. That's still 
remains the question is why is there thirty million dollars that hasn't been distributed yet? Um, so as you know, they're trying to get caught up on these funds. As far as we know, they've initiated a new plan. So we'll see what happens from there. So let's look at this living the living room. This is a long term contractor with the city that to provide services. How does it work with people living with the virus, Willoughby? Well, it is supposed to um, help them receive housing services and other supportive services so they can keep up with that housing. What they do is they pay a portion of, uh, of these patients' rent based upon their income, and often they, they make very little money, Social Security maybe, disability. So, and if that money does not come through, how far behind are some of the the people who are living in these agency-provided housing? I talked to one woman yesterday who is uh, whose landlord has not been paid for five months. Mm-hmm. Luckily, she has an extraordinary, caring, compassionate landlord. But basically, he's subsidizing uh, her rent. A you know, she he's subsidizing the city when the city is sitting on arguably thirty to forty million dollars. How many people might be threatened with eviction are we, are we looking at? So as far as the living room situation, it's uh, the city says it's about 230-ish people. Um, there was a meeting last week where the, uh, a bunch of city officials uh, met with a bunch of HOPWA agencies, advocates, people actually affected by this, people that are at risk of being evic- evicted. Um, they say at this point, the update on these people being evicted, there's about 77, about a third of that group um, has been stably housed. There's about 110 that have been referred to uh, uh, other HOPO agencies uh, since the city terminated living rooms contract um, earlier this month, or excuse me, in July. Um, and then there's about 40 people that they just have, un- they're unaccounted for. They've sent mailers, called, do- did door knocks, and the city says they're still trying to find them. Patrick, I want to ask you about that meeting in a second, but I'd love mm-hmm. to hear from Willoughby, who was at yesterday's city council meeting. What did you hear? Um, not much. They <laughs> uh, voted uh, to give uh, over uh, $1.5 million worth of emergency funding the city as an advance to uh, house and provide emergency services for the people who are no longer being served by the living room. There was no discussion on it uh, by the city council members, and, and the vote happened unanimously. So how far is that $1.5 million going to go? It's not entirely clear. Now, uh, after some debate, the city finally did decide to collaborate with service providers to see what that would actually cost. And, and, and the hope is that uh, it will get people uh, it will get people who are at risk of losing their homes back into homes. That's Willoughby Mariano from the AJC. Also with me, Patrick Saunders from Project Q, Atlanta Magazine. They're both reporters who've been covering an HIV housing program crisis now going on in Atlanta. Well, Let's ask a little bit more about that. The city did cancel its contract with the living room. That was last month. Accusations got a little more sorted, I would say. In a lawsuit filed by the living room, it said that it has not been reimbursed by the city and, in fact, withheld these funds for what reason, Willoughby? They said it was retaliation over spurned sexual and romantic advances. Uh, advances. What happened is that, apparently, according to this lawsuit, the um, the head of the Hopper program at the time asked uh, the executive director of the living room on a date to go see you know a, a movie in January, and uh, that executive director said, "Hey, uh, can I bring a third person? I want to avoid the appearance of impropriety." And uh, that's when things went down. Oh, well, so what does what does the city say in response to that suit? Um, you know, they they say no comment because we don't comment on pending litigation. The person alleged to uh, you know the former department head no longer works for the city has been terminated. 
targeted, uh, but not specifically for this reason, according to, you know, records, in, you know, his personnel file. So um, and he also denies these allegations. And that person is Office of Human Services director or former director, we should say, Preston Brandt. Yes. The suit says this action involves a retaliatory campaign by the Office of Human Service and grants management to destroy the living room and its executive director, Jerome Brooks. So Brandt is no longer employed. What's what's happening as all of this is held up in the air? Do we know? I mean, you know, there's there as far as the living room situation, uh, you know, they're trying to I know they're trying to house these people. They're doing the emergency aid is specifically for uh, the agencies that are stepping in to house the living room clients. Um, so, uh, you know, diff- basically different. Uh, the city and everyone else is coming to these agencies saying, OK, can you take 20 people? Can you take 30 people? Um, these are all former living room clients. And then uh, they they could take them. Yes. But they also already have. Uh, delays in their own funding for their usual programming. So, uh, and the city's asking them to take on more. So, this emergency funding is kind of a stopgap measure to to go ahead and get them this, so they can you know at least take care of the immediate issue. And you said mentioned that this has been going on for a long time. Mayor mm-hmm. Keisha Lance Bottom proposed a long term fix last mm-hmm. month, hoping that backers will end the funding problem. What did she propose? So, uh, there's the immediate thing is a housing re- relocation effort, and that's being led by Partners for Home, which is a nonprofit kind of a quasi-governmental agency that runs the city's uh, continuum of care, basically their homeless services uh, grant, their homeless services grant from the federal government. So uh, they want to put, the long-term plan is they want to put uh, HOPLA management, basically HOPLA grants management under Partners for Home. Um, that can't happen until fiscal year 2020, which starts in about uh, June, some, well, um, about fall uh, this upcoming uh, this upcoming fall, they'll start to get the actual grants mm-hmm. for that. Um, so they want to put it, they want to move it from this Office of Grants Management and the Office of Human Services, which was Preston Brandt's office, um, put it under uh, Partners for Home. Uh, the only thing, the only caveat with that is that uh, Partners for Home would take this with a clean break starting fiscal year 2020 going forward. There's still the matter of fiscal year 2014 to 2019 and all these unspent funds, which the city would still be in charge of, not Partners for Home. Patrick, you mentioned earlier that you were at a meeting last week addressing housing issues. This was held by the city. Here's one resident who attended that meeting who said her rent has not been paid in eight months. I don't have nowhere else to go. They stopped me in the middle of my tracks was like, well, we can't help you. I think it's really crazy that you see a person that's going through so many different challenges And you guys have so many um, rules and regulations of getting into housing and you put us on housing. So we've been talking about the machinations up at the top level, but how are officials and agencies responding to residents and nonprofits and activists? How are they helping these residents? Who wants to pick that up? I mean, so there's, you know, a group of uh, HIV activists, doctors, researchers, uh, they sent a letter to the city basically saying, and it was about two weeks ago, saying that they have, it's about a group of 100, saying they've lost total faith and confidence, was their quote, um, in the city of Atlanta's ability to run the program. Um, they asked for a restructuring plan, which actually, um, the apparently behind the scenes, uh, it was very similar to the one that actually ended up coming out, um, this one I just told you about, for Partners for Home. Uh, that same group sent a second letter um, a few days later uh, that basically saying, you know, the city council was on recess, could not vote on this emergency aid um, that will be mentioned that was passed yesterday. Uh, They wanted a special meeting call 
to go ahead and get this uh, um, funding okayed, and um, but the city CFO uh, decided uh, that it wasn't warranted. So uh, they ended up passing it on the first day they got back from, from recess. Which office is going to be managing this $1.5 million in emergency funding? Is that Office of Human Services? Do we know? Um, actually, that's a good question. Yeah. We, we really don't know. It didn't say in the legislation who would run it. And I think there's a lot of... Um, anxiety over whether or not, uh, over who is going to be managing this money. However, Partners for Home has been very, um, has been moving very quickly and is in charge of a lot of the rehoming uh, efforts. So so it appears that they're going to be playing, uh, you know, the lead role in this. Willoughby, I know you've been reporting on this uh, uh, from the legislative or policy-based perspective. What are you hearing from activists and from residents? Well, they're very frustrated. This should never have happened, and it didn't need to happen. Um, the immediate crisis is only sort of a, you know, an extreme manifestation of, uh, you know, of longstanding problems that could have been corrected years ago, and honestly, that the mayor knew about uh, before she took office. Mm-hmm. And an ongoing lawsuit, of course. What's likely to happen with residents now? Um, well, hopefully they'll be rehomed. It's a difficult process because um, uh, because of privacy concerns. Uh, there's been disputes about who you know who is allowed to tell what information to what agency. Mm-hmm. So that process has been literally involving knocking on doors and um, and trying to convince people to come forward. And there are a number of them who have not yet. And of course, it's hard when you have a record of not paying rent for whatever reason behind you. And and it's important to note out the link between housing and health as far as HIV goes. Uh, you know, when uh, housing instability is is closely linked to you know if, if someone's living with HIV and they have this issue with housing instability, all their other priorities sort of fall by the wayside because they're just trying to get a roof over their head. So, uh, you know, being able to get medication, being able to get to doctor's appointments, um, not not to mention the stress. The people that I've talked to, activists, everyone else. Um, you know, they keep mentioning trauma. This is a trauma on these people living with HIV. They don't care about this living room lawsuit or any of this other stuff that's going on at the city level. They just need to find a home, and, you know, it's adversely affecting their health until they do. And, and can I underscore the impact there? I talked to a man who cannot get a kidney transplant because he does not have a stable home. Yeah. This is it, this is an extraordinary, uh, potentially life-threatening situation. Well, Willoughby Mariano, Patrick Saunders, thanks so much for reporting on it with us. We'll be back with more of On Second Thought in just a moment. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. <laughs> 